Hello, denizens of the dark, and welcome back to Into the Night Minute. This is the podcast where we forsake proper rest so that we can discuss the resurgent 1985 John Landis cult classic Into the Night, one glorious minute at a time. My name is Pete Mubbard. I'm Jerry Porter. And we're very excited today. We have one of the, the grandmasters of podcasting joining us. Uh, he, he did a podcast for another John Landis movie, perhaps not as well regarded as this, uh, Blues Brothers Minute. Welcome, Tom Taylor. <laughs> it's okay. It's got some <laughs> musical numbers. It's a little jaunty sometimes. They're all pretty bad. Uh, hi, it's me, Tom hey. Taylor. Hi, guys. Good to have you here, Tom. Thank yeah. you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Remember, you're, yeah. you're a guest in our house. I know. You guys <laughs> seem like nice people, and I want to do a good job for you. Hey, you know what? He hasn't belched. Like he normally does when, I know, when I've heard him in other places. This is, this is I've delightful. been doing it internally, so it <laughs> might come out. Some I think Tom way. needs to be a guest from now on. So <laughs> what happens when you take away the conch. <laughs> you get no more piggy. <laughs> I guess since I've got the conch, uh, tonight we're talking about minute 63. And minute 63 begins with David Bowie and Carl Parkins fighting. And Carl it ends Parkins. with a good boy barking fiercely. Aww. I have a great question, actually, that just mm -hmm. occurred to me. Do okay. you think David Bowie was really excited to be in a knife fight with Carl Perkins? Like on the set, was like, oh my God, Carl Perkins, this is great. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. And then you're like, I get to dance with Carl Perkins. Yeah. I, I was Carl say Perkins like, oh, this guy, well, this, this young this upstart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby going at it or something. <laughs> I would say yes, for sure. Yeah. I, I want to yeah. yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, David Bowie, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but he's one of those guys who maintained his integrity, like I said, through, throughout the uh, like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. You know, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. He, he kind of like everybody takes David Bowie seriously from every decade. Mm -hmm. That's mostly he he's Mo he okay, always mostly big, but true. yeah, like people mostly from the seventies might look yeah. at his eighties stuff and be like, "Oh, come on, he's lost." Sure, it. no, no, you're right, yeah. you're right. But, but I, I, mean, I personally like I love all of it. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's hard. There are very few artists who you know get through three or four decades unscathed. Yeah. You know, yeah. without a like, oh, that you know, <laughs> Pete's Dragon soundtrack, mm. <laughs> 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 whatever you know, that duet with. Uh, you know, Pat Boone. <laughs> Actually, real quick, did you guys ever hear Pete? You probably did. Did you ever hear the Pat Boone heavy metal album? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like it? No, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it was. Well, it's a a funny concept, though. Yeah, it was kind of a. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of gave him props for doing. Yeah. It. Like, ah, yeah. at least he's got like a a good sense of humor about it. Yeah. I although I do I do really like. Uh, William Shatner's album. Oh yeah, the one with Ben Folds. Yeah, that one. That thing is great. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> when I was seventeen, doesn't he do When I was seventeen? Yeah, it's not on that though. That that was ages ago. That's like a Mike Douglas or something. But it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I have seen that. That yeah. <laughs> God, he did. Okay, speaking of, uh. 
artists from the 70s who survived into the 80s and stuff i was th- when you were talking about that i was thinking about elton john who was another flamboyant you know uh theatrical big showman guy who also sort of made it into the 80s but a lot of people didn't like his stuff he uh william shatner did there's a video go youtube it uh he does a one-man version of rocket man at like some science fiction awards thing yeah. in 1977 and Bernie Taupin comes out and introduces it. And you're like, you can see him like eating his foot off stage. Like, Oh my God, why am I going to do this? This is incredible. But like, yeah, it's maybe William Shatner's finest moment. Just nice. he, it, it's, it's, it's really awesome. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a long, long time. <laughs> I've I've seen that. That's really bananas. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? Is there anybody who uh, you know, survived unscathed, Pete? That you can think of for decades? Uh, it's a tough. Yeah. Question. Everybody I've I've been trying to come up with has like that '80s period, or that has the. But they might come through it. You know. Yeah. Like Neil Young well, had some like, in the '80s, but he he always comes back. He always lands solidly. Hey, it's like our here. friend John John Engel. And uh, his quadrifecta idea, yeah, uh, where yeah, as any director had four masterpieces in a row, and it like you can have three masterpieces, but there's often one in in the middle that's not quite as great, yeah. And so does it still count as coming through if you if you have the one decade that's not good, yeah. Or even if it's okay, it's not great. I don't know if the highs are high enough. I think yeah, it counts. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, I think John Landis would be very close to being on that list, that quadrifecta list. Yeah. So yeah. with with how would it work? I got it. Well, you know, and I got to bring up IMDb to make sure that I have the <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. I will. Uh, my my guess, my my choice for the quadrifecta, Buster Keaton, I, I think absolutely did it. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Gosh. Oh, by the way, it was it was not just John Ingalls idea. It was also Mitch Bryan. Oh, sure. The Alien Minute. You could go either from Kentucky Fried Movie to Animal House to the Blues Brothers to an American Werewolf in London. That's solid right there. Or you could go from Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, and Trading Places. And a lot of people say, rightly so, the Trading Places falls apart a little bit towards the end. But I don't know. Those are five would or six you, Would you really call them all masterpieces? Movies. Yeah, I mean, is, would you call Animal House a masterpiece? I'm not sure that I would, but I think you could make a case for it. And I think for a lot of people, it is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge movie in a lot of people's lives. Um, well, it is that. And I can't tell if the movie's a masterpiece or if it's just a cultural yeah. uh, it's solid. You know, it's cultural really good. icon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's really, you close. know, what's fascinating about Animal House is when you go through it, I, I mean, uh, to ask the the question <laughs> that we always bring up in movies are any of these characters likable mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like who are you rooting for in animal house like do you really care about boone and katie i think you mostly <laughs> want to see the slobs beat the snobs and, yeah you know yeah they're, yeah. they're amiable Which is enough fun. that's you know that's they're fun. not yeah yeah destroying too many lives i don't think I guess yeah, it's kind of based on the on the on the jerks being such jerks that you want to see the downtrodden, you know, slobs. Defeat yeah. them but you know what's weird comically. about Animal House is it says like you know Boone and Care, uh, you know Boone and Katie like married, you know uh, whatever nineteen I don't know sixty eight or something, and that's like divorced nineteen seventy one. 
And you're like, God, that's weird. <laughs> that's yeah. just weird. It's just kind of weird. You're like, I mean, you're like, I, you know, I, it, I know it was kind of sort of based on uh, a true story ish kind of a little bit, but I, it was like, you didn't have to put that in there at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's bittersweet. <laughs> I guess. Or it's it just like goes American graffiti. It is. Yeah. It's very American graffiti. Yeah. But, uh, so we have, uh, Ed and Diana run out and press the elevator call button and you hear the bell ring and the door opens and you, this dog is barking furiously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the owner says, it's all right. He's a nice dog. <laughs> it's more like, he's a nice dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Super <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. It is who is this guy? Crazy. Is this some, I didn't look up who this guy is. Yeah, that guy. Is he somebody? Yes. He, I believe he's a famous director. Really? You probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No, I mean, I mean like he's he's, he's, he's well. I'll say this: he's a, he's a famous director. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he is a famous Hollywood insider, guaranteed. Because yeah. I was uh, kind of going over. I can't remember exactly who, what, whatever. But uh, he, he, they specifically mention him as okay. being like, oh, and the guy in the elevator with the dog is, you know, so and so. I'm looking it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is kind of funny and jarring, right? Or I don't know. It's jarring for sure. It's, it's jarring sort- for you're not expecting it. The, what, dog? the dog or the famous yeah, the dog. The yeah. And is it, is it like, is it an Irish setter? <laughs> it's like a golden retriever or something, isn't it? Maybe it's a golden yeah. retriever. Yeah. Maybe it's a golden. Any, any, you know, it's like, I, I, it's one of those like, you know, pandemonium every which way you go. Yeah. Sort yeah. Of things. That, that it's a very visceral scene when they're racing down those concrete. Yeah. Stairs. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting about it is it's like, there's, you know, all this gore and it's a murder scene, you know, in that bedroom. And then they like, when they when run out into the hallway in the lobby, it's like really kind of like, almost like Muzak. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that that, yeah, that reminds is, me of the blues brothers. Like, that that's is, his, yeah, yeah. You know, they escape all the Girl cops and, then, you know, yeah. Girl from Ipanema and then Steven Spielberg. And it's like, it's just that complete crazy, you know, that, that uh, you go into that quiet space, which I love. Yeah. Right. And there's like this beautiful uh, manicured, like wall plant. it's just it's kind of great hey uh the guy in the elevator with the dog is jack arnold jack arnold reigns supreme as one of the great directors of 1950s science fiction features oh um um i'm just trying to see what he did (laughs) oh the incredible shrinking man oh sure okay yeah it came from, the out, it came from out of space. He did some big ones. Peter Sellers movie. And he, he directed uh, eight episodes of The Love Boat. Oh, nice. Oh, my and God. And Buck Rogers. Really? Guy's a genius. Yeah. Bionic Woman. Oh, this... I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> grieving for that dog <laughs> before, but now I really am. <laughs> <laughs> he is a nice dog. Oh, there you go. Oh, I, I love the dog. Yeah, I, I can't stand bad things happening no. to animals in movies. Or well, nothing life. bad happened to the dog. I, like, he, I, he could be fine. The guys seem to be pulling yeah. hey, guns totally at the end fine. of this minute, but you know who knows? They're probably just going to scare him off or something. I'm not going <laughs> to shoot a dog in this movie. That'd be ridiculous. That'd be sick, <laughs> uncalled for. Well, you got yeah, we got the Mercedes pulls up in front of the building as they're running down the stairs, and two of the agents calmly walk over to the elevator. And I, I like that the driver has a handheld TV. <laughs> yeah. And did you guys ever yeah. have one of those back in the eighties? I don't think I did. No. I no. didn't either. No, I figured most of those went to the panhandle of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's where people had those. Oh, you know, it's weird. I We didn't even have a color TV until like 
the early 80s. Oh, wow. Like, I, you know, late 70s, we still had a black and white TV. Yeah. Which is funny, imagining now watching a color show in black and white. Yeah. Did you know that the Hulk was green? And the Incredible Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> he only gets mad. It's <laughs> yeah. a little less like Bill Bixby. <laughs> I actually love that, uh, like, when, when uh, they're running down the stairs, the stair the stair railing is this uh, oh, strawberry yeah. red. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because like it, it matches Michelle Pfeiffer's jacket <laughs> and uh-huh. it's, 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 it's just sort of visually fascinating. And mm-hmm. and I wondered like, did they actually paint the railing red for the shot? Or they like scouted for yeah. a stairway with a red See, railing. I, yeah. I like think what? they had to, cause that, that's, that's so cinematic. Like it, I, it is. I've never, I've, I've been in a lot of stairwells and I've never seen one that looked like that. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> but it is 1985. Like you could see somebody saying, That's "Like, true. no, you know, you got to paint it like uh, red." You know, what is <laughs> this? What do you think? Gray? Splash of color. <laughs> but I, I, I also wondered if it's not cinematic and they didn't paint it. You're like, so why was it just a red railing? Like, I wondered, is it? <sighs> Like, well, although when you think about thing, it, like, it might be like yeah, a, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Is like yeah. if if there's a power out, like red is I don't know brighter or something, or I don't but there was also idea. like in the '80s, like when you go in a parking garage and it, everything would be concrete gray, but the, like they would there would be one wall that was like bright blue or one wall that was bright green, <laughs> or that oh, you know, sure. they would always do like that one a little bit of color. And oh like, yeah, oh, that makes it all that makes it all right. That's it's good now, right? You know what I would love to know the answer to? This is only tangentially related to what we're talking about, but I'm, we're thinking about like, you know, just blank industrial spaces with a little bit of color. Uh-huh. Why? This is this has been true for as long as there have been buildings, I think. The, the thing of painting half the wall one color, like from the floor up, and then the rest of the wall up to the ceiling another color. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you just, well, next time you're in a hallway anywhere, like in a school or a hospital or some industrial place, it happens constantly, and I don't know where it's from. I don't know what it's. I don't know what the purpose is, or, or well, where usually is there a molding in between? Yes, just, I was no, say. no, there's oh. not. Oh. It's not, and it wouldn't be like in a hotel, like like a done up thing, like with wallpaper or anything. It'd be like in a more flat industrial kind of thing, hmm. like a, like an office building from the '50s or something. There'd be like a drab gray from the floor to halfway up the wall, and then a less drab gray. <laughs> From the top to the to the ceiling. I think the reason for that is, especially in the industrial places, is while you're climbing up to the rooftop to jump off. Yeah, you'll yeah. see like a, a nice lime green or a yeah. splash of ocean blue. Right, and you'll go. You know, yeah, ah, I'm gonna go back down. Well, there might, there, there might it's be not a so bad. Like that because when I was a kid, we took a tour one time of the. Uh, my dad and I went to New Orleans and we took a tour of the Superdome and I remember they had this, uh, the ramps, you know, like the ramps to go up on the outside to get yeah. up to your level. They all had this carpet and the carpet was striped and they said it had striped carpet because when people would get really intoxicated, they would think they were stairs and they would walk more carefully. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That's weird. That's kind of the same thing. There's a lot of you see a lot of tuned two tonedness though in in uh, in hallways and and mm, houses. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm I, I painted about. for five years, but Pete was right. I mean, I did a lot of two tone stuff, but it's usually right around the crown molding, which is like yeah. the chair rail. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not I should say the crown molding, but yeah. like the chair yeah. rail molding, which is you know sort of divides the 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 you know the wall in mm-hmm. in usually around a half or maybe around the waistline. So it might be mm-hmm. like a third, depending on how tall the ceiling is. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. These yeah. Well, speak, speaking of, of, of two tones, did you guys ever have a an eighty five Impala wagon? No. <laughs> no, you know what? Wait a minute. We did. I didn't have a wagon, but we definitely had Impalas in, in the Porter household. <laughs> we had, and you know this, Tommy, we had, a, you know, a fleet of Caprice classics. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then we also did have an Impala that was sort of like, I, th- I think it was, it, it may have been like an upgraded Caprice classic or something. I, it was like mm. a pinch different, but not really. I left a tape in one of those cars once and I got home and I was like, oh, I'm never seeing that thing again. Am I I'm never seeing that tape? It's the yeah. worst place I could have left. It was in the port. You know what? I felt really, classic. really bad when like I was joking. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to get it to you. I'm going to get it to you. And I lost it. <laughs> I actually to the car lost being it. crushed at the, at the, at the <laughs> metal reclamation plant. And if you're if you're listening to this and you don't know Jerry Porter, you might be wondering how how could you lose a tape in a car? But <laughs> if you've ever gone to a like a McDonald's or a children's museum where they have a ballroom where yeah. it's like you jump in as all plastic balls, the this like the footwell <laughs> of the seats are like that, but with plastic bottles. He's <laughs> like, yeah. like you're sitting in one of those ballrooms, <laughs> it's like a playland. Yeah, That's it. you come to a you come to a red light. <laughs> you got a little time to kill. Let me know what you're <laughs> Jump into the footwell. Oh well, Jerry, God. let me ask you something. Oh, did, yes. did you ever have a uh, issue of GQ with a bearded uh, Jeremy Irons on the cover? <laughs> oh, I was just going to ask, who is that on the cover? So that's Jeremy Irons. I assume so. It looks just like him. Yeah. yeah. It does look just like him. I, I'm thinking now I would like to start a hobby of collecting issues of magazines that are prominently featured in movies. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Wouldn't it be cool to have that GQ magazine right there? <laughs> you can have the Raiders that uh, that uh, what's his name reads and or the the Life magazine that was his name reads. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. The plane. One of the nicest yeah. gifts I've ever witnessed a friend give another friend. Uh, my friend James. You know, we all grew up in Connecticut, and the movie The Ice Storm, Ang Lee's movie, was filmed like one town over from us. And in the movie, Toby Maguire is reading a Fantastic Four comic book, and my one friend is hugely into Fantastic Four, and my friend found that issue of that comic book. And got it for him. It was like a super nice gift. Just because, oh, nice. like, you know, we're all into our Connecticut lore and stuff. And then they're all Fantastic Four. And it was just nice. But that'd be cool. I see that. And I'm like, oh, you could probably find that copy of GQ. Oh, it's on. I'm yeah. sure it's on eBay. Yeah. 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 Um, what is the importance of used car commercials in this movie? There are a couple. Like, well, there there's, one, there, there's, there's one at the beginning. And then there's one at the end. Well, and Pete then, Ellis is... It, this one and the other two are what's his name? Uh, I forgot his name. They're both yeah. famous. Like yeah. the commercials are both kind of the famous. jingle didn't right. Work. I forgot his name. <laughs> I know, <laughs> <laughs> but they have it very specifically. Like eighty-one used Impala or whatever, yeah. and you're like, so why? Like what? But it's a theme. It bookends yeah. the movie, and then we have a used car commercial right here uh, in in a in a car in a used car. <laughs> yeah, I just wondered. 
That does that shot does seem to do nothing but show that the guy's got a tiny oh. TV. Yeah. Cal Worthington. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And he's like he did all kinds of crazy stuff. Like he'd have a tiger on his top of his car, he'd have to <laughs> be on the outside of an airplane. <laughs> well, see, that's just it though. It's kind of like it seems like there's a lot of the shots in this movie that just do that just to show that thing. There are entire scenes in the movie that are like Yeah. Yeah. Is this just so I could see a topless woman with bright blue glasses on that take up her entire face? Is that the point <laughs> of the scene? I, I mean, you say that like that's not a, a valid point for I'm a not scene. Complaining. I'm just I'm <laughs> a little surprised that that was offered up to me. There's a, you know, the Iranian guys all are in different colored suits. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very specifically different colored suits. And and it has a you know, the wiggles feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because they're kind of like running around and bumbling. There's this, you know, bumbling, clumsy, clum, clumbling, <laughs> blumsy, just yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, banana splits feel to it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is interesting. I mean, they're very specifically dressed. And there's like a scene later in the movie, right, where they all sit down at once. Exa- you know, like. In, yeah. Like in unison. And yeah. In unison. Their, what, they all eat in unison. And they all. Yeah. And yeah. that's it's weird. That stuff is funny. But it's more, but it's just, it's like odd or it's, it's like, it's well executed, but I, it's not funny. It might be funnier if the rest of the movie surrounding them was like, just had more energy or other bits of funniness. I don't know. It's like, like you see them all sit down at once and they each got the different suits and it's like, blunk. And you're like, oh, that's funny. But see, it's, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind yeah. of like 1941, which I I really like 1941. But I one thing I don't understand about 1941 is why it's not funny. Because on paper, mm-hmm. a lot of it seems like it should be hilarious, and it feels like some of this movie should be the same thing, and it, they're not. Like a lot of times, they just don't work. Like it just kind of falls flat. I have a harder well, time. I mean, 1941, they're I mean, like almost trying too hard. You can like slapstick yeah. all over the place and things. And I, yeah, I do think a lot of that lands, and a lot of it just doesn't. But here it's like, I, I'm not trying to be, I, like, I don't, I'd be hard pressed to find a scene where I'm like, oh, they're intending for me to laugh here. I can mm-hmm. see where there is the intention of comedy here. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I literally don't, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I don't see that in the movie. It's more like a, a uh-huh. like a kind of offbeat noir thing. Uh-huh. But then, yeah, the only outwardly, obviously comedy stuff happening is like, yeah, John Landis and the other guys, like shooting doorknobs uh-huh. and stuff. But because the rest of the movie is so kind of grim and and, and yeah. sort of dull, like the, no, no, that, uh, that seems totally out of place and you forget to laugh at it. See, what's tough <laughs> is on a movie like this, or maybe 1941, where you have the really avid fans about it. And it's like they could sit me down and say, as it, you know, Pete, as you said, the you know, as an art piece, I love it. Mm-hmm. And they could say, look at all the cameos. You got to understand what's going on in, on in Hollywood. And look, it's John Landis. And he, you know, he did this movie and he took a chance or whatever it is. And I mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah, you're right. You like, look at how it's filmed. You're right. Look at it. You know, the flat affect of the whole thing. It's, it's like you're asleep and it's a dream. And you go, no, you're I, That's actually really well done. I get that. And it's kind of chaotic and you're confused. And he go, yeah, that really works. And it's like, but I don't. I wouldn't recommend this movie to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm not yeah. going to watch it again. It's kind of like, you know, you ever have like, you know, I sip some $800 wine 
which is, I don't know, probably the most expensive wine I've ever sampled. You know, it's like probably. And, and, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not, I'm not a big wine connoisseur. I don't, you know, I don't really drink alcohol, but I, I was like, well, it's yeah, let me try it. <laughs> let me drink my $82. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, I tried it and I swished it around in my mouth and I went, you know what? This does do a weird thing. There's like a dryness and there's a hint of cranberry oh wow, wow here comes the oak barrel wait a minute <laughs> is that a little cardamom like it did do all those things in huh. my mouth but i didn't care <laughs> right but i also wonder like you know? if if you hadn't know, like if someone had told you that that was six dollar wine from trader joe's mm-hmm. i wonder how much of that is the uh the rotten tomatoes effect if you didn't know that was eight hundred dollar wine if you would have you would have noticed that stuff well, no, I, I wouldn't have. I would have been like, "Oh, it's percolating," <laughs> you know. And then that would have been, and then I would, have, I would have burped. See, I but, wanted I mean, to it, like this movie. I was, I went in yeah. thinking yeah. like, "Oh, you know what? This is sometimes movies just aren't understood by critics or audiences or something. You know, they just don't. They're, they're. I, I will like them even if nobody else did or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like ready to like this movie. I'm in a John Landis frame of mind these days. Um, and yeah, so like I, 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 it was, I was waiting for it to, to, you know, win me over and, and, uh-huh. and, and yeah, it was yeah. not an $800, uh, $800 bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, everybody listening out there, I'd love to hear, I think we'd all love to hear, uh, what you think of the movie. And you can join us on the King Lives Listener's Limo, which is our special Facebook group dedicated to this movie. And you can join and uh, let us know what you think. I'm curious. Do people love this movie? Do people, are they kind of puzzled by it? I'd love to know where people fall on it. And uh, I'd also love it if you came back and joined us again tomorrow for minute 64 of Into the Night Minute. Tommy, wait, do it again. Say about he's a nice dog. (laughs) He's a nice dog! (laughs) He's a nice dog! (laughs) Why are you yelling at me, mister? (laughs) Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category. 